Welcome to Your Love Ministries, where this is a Holy Spirit-led podcast. Good day to you. My name is Claire Carter, and I'm your host on this journey of becoming a disciple of Christ. Shabbat Shalom to you. Today is the day that the Lord has commanded us to set aside, to sanctify, to make it holy for Him on this day. So grace and peace be unto you on this Shabbat day. Today, we are going to discuss Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, has risen. So now, what do we do? Last week, we went over prophecies fulfilled, continued, and today, we're going to move forward into understanding more of why Jesus was sent, who Jesus is, and more things about Him to know about this Lamb of God. So Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, has risen. Now, what do we do? So let's go to the Father in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for allowing us to wake up to receive your word. Father God, allow our ears, hearts, and minds to be open unto receiving this word today, unto receiving you on this day, this set apart day, this sanctified day, this day of holiness for you to remember who you are and what you have done. And we say thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and for your blood. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for dwelling here, not only on this podcast, but in our hearts and minds and right here today with us, right here today, right now. Thank you for your comfort. In your precious mighty name, Jesus, amen. So Jesus, the only begotten son of God has risen. Now, what do we do? Moving into the book of Acts, at the end of the 40 days, Jesus told the disciples that God will send them a comforter, the Holy Ghost. We can find that in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 21, also 26 through 31, and Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. So I encourage you to look those up. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 21 and 26 through 31, and also Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. So the Holy Spirit was then given 10 days after the Feast of Weeks, which God commanded the Jews to celebrate as an anniversary date that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, which is held 50 days after the Passover. All people from all nations came together in celebration of this day, and the feast is when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. They were speaking in different tongues, different languages. The people from different nations thought that they were drunk. They all knew that the disciples were from Galilee and did not speak of any language but their own. However, Peter, being one of the disciples of Christ, stood up and gave a sermon on how it was early in the day and that they were not drunk. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus told them and God has promised. On that day with Peter doing the sermon of speaking of Christ and the goodness of God, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ that very day. And you can find that in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 47. This day is known as Pentecost. So we've learned before, you know, Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. He died. He gave up his life, died on the cross for us to be saved. He asked the Lord to forgive us for we know not what they do, um, for they know not what they do in killing him. And the thing is, is that he did that willingly. He did that knowing what would what the outcome would be he did that in obedience to god and so jesus so he gave up his life on the cross and on the third day god rose him from the grave and after that 
third day, Jesus started showing himself to the disciples and coming to his people and, and teaching them and letting him letting them know the things that were to come. And that now he had to ascend up into heaven. So that way the Holy Spirit could descend and come down and be their comforter, be their guide, be their their um, leader to dwell within us so that way we're led and and guided into the right direction so now that jesus was not physically here with us the holy spirit would be but within spirit so within ourselves so the day of pentecost came which um it wasn't called the day of pentecost at that time it was actually the different nations that all came together and celebrated the feast of week so this this day was actually placed together as a commemorative of when Moses wrote the Ten Commandments, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments to write and he presented it to his people. So that was to be a day of an anniversary day that they were to celebrate every year. So people from all over came to celebrate this very day, the Feast of Weeks. And so as they were there celebrating early in the morning, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just came on through, right on through. And Peter and the disciples started speaking in tongues. And so speaking in tongues is when another language is brought brought about. There's two different ways of speaking in tongues, having a love language for God, which is speaking in tongues. And it's a special language just between you and God. And when you're praying or when God has uh, you to to work through you to lay hands on someone and you're speaking in tongues. That's the love language of God. The other way of speaking in tongues is when you are in a congregation of people, doesn't matter if it's a church congregation or a meeting congregation, uh, a meeting of people um, or a festival, anything, you know, these people were coming together to celebrate uh, feast of the weeks and what happened is the Holy Spirit came over them and they sp started speaking in tongues. So at that point, that speaking in tongues was speaking in the different languages of the different countries. And what happens is, is that there's an interpreter. So the people that were there that were from the, these different countries were astounded because they're like, wait, these people don't know any other language. They were brought up in Galilee and all they know is to speak the, the talk of the Galileans. And so that opened their hearts and opened their minds to understand, wow, you know, you have people that were in amazement of God, and then you have others that were mockers and said, oh, look at them, they're just drunk. But if they were drunk, how would they be able to speak the language and the other people understood them? So Peter, being the strong disciple that he is, he stood up and he was like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, people, there's no way we're drunk. It's early in the morning. We've been hanging out with you all this whole time. So <laughs> he gives a sermon and that day, 3000 people gave their life to Christ. So amazing. So wonderful. 3000. Now, the next thing we need to do is apply this information to our lives. But how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. Once we have accepted uh, Jesus into our hearts as our savior, God will fill us with the Holy Spirit. We must know that we have given our life to Christ, that we have been cleansed out of all of our sins. We have confessed all of our sins, every and all things that we have done and choose to live a life for Christ. So now we accepted Jesus into our hearts. We understand that he did give up his life for us and that he did, God did raise him on the third day. And then at this point we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is activated. So we must now choose to live a life for Christ. We take on the thoughts of Christ. We take on the heart of Christ and 
excuse me, we take on the love of Jesus to live an abundant life that he wants to endure in us and live through us. Jesus was not able to be here with us, but he reigns in the spirit. So we hold on to Christ and that's how Christ remains on living and, and continues on living is through us. He sits on the throne on high with the heavenly father and here on earth, he continues to live here on earth through us. So now our Holy Spirit has been activated inside of us. So now what we're going to do is we're going to go to Romans chapter eight, and we're going to read through here because this is talking about in Romans chapter eight, it goes over life in the spirit to understand that we are no, we are no longer just walking around as zombies in, in this flesh, that there is so much more to life and so much more that God has for us. So now we're living the life in the spirit. So if you could look at uh, Romans chapter eight verses, uh, excuse me, chapter eight with me. Um, and I'm going through to the new living translation. And we're just going to go through here until the Holy Spirit is like, okay, that's enough. So life in the spirit, Romans chapter eight. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Okay. So with these first two verses here, Jesus is saying that now that he dwells and abides and lives within us, we are broken from the bondage of sin, that we live a free life in the Holy Spirit, that we're not being led by the sins of this world, that we're not being led by fleshly thoughts, but we're being led by the spirit that lives within us, which is Jesus. So it says in verse three, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did, did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Okay. What does all that mean? That means that God was like, Hey, these, these animals that you're sacrificing, these animals that you're shedding the blood to redeem you from your sins is not good enough because you all are, are sinful people. You all have a sinful nature and it's just not good enough. You cannot, this, this is not going to get you into heaven. This is not going to get you. This is not fulfilling the requirement. This is not being fulfilled. This, this is not working. There are being, there are so many animals being slain on your behalf of sin and, and you people are not getting it you all are not getting it. So God says, I send my son. And what my son does, he's the, he's a sacrificial lamb. He covers it all. So now with, with Jesus's blood being shed for us, the law is fully satisfied that, that we're following the commandments of God that we're following that. Now we have Jesus living within us. So how can we go wrong? So now Jesus gave his life for us. His blood was shed so that now we are in no bondage of this sin and we can live an abundant life. We don't have to live in a sinful nature, but allow the spirit to live within us with life. So verse five, it says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. 
But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about these things that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So when we go to Christ and we give our life to Christ, we're broken away where the, the bondage, the chains of bondage are, are cut. We're cut free from that. And now we have Christ living inside of us. Now we have Christ dwelling inside of us, raising us up. We're being led through the spirit. And now we think of all the good things. Now we're thinking of great things and and blessings and blessing others. And we're thinking of love and we're not thinking of the destruction of this world and the chaos of this world and the anger and frustration of this world. We're now living in love and peace. So in verse nine, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. If you have the spirit of God living in you and remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And like it stated earlier, it says sinful nature can never please God because that that's disgusting to God. God wants to make you clean. God wants to make you whole. He wants to make inside of you as white as snow to be cleaned from all of your sins and to be able to dwell in heaven. But if you have this sin that's on you, you can't live in heaven because heaven is a holy place. God is holy. He is clean. He is worthy. And we, in order to live with him, need to find ourselves or he needs to find in us that worthiness, that cleanliness, that holiness. So as we move on here, it says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So our sin, what does our sin do? Our sin leads us to death. Our sin leads us to hell. But God's like, hey, I want you to live for eternity. Enjoy peace, happiness, an eternal life, an eternal, beautiful life. And what happens is, is that when you give your life to Christ, God says, hey, you die, your flesh dies. And then I raise you up the same way that I rose Jesus up. Then now you are no longer dead in sin, but you're alive in Christ. And that you have the spirit living in you, same as Jesus. And that's why Jesus looks at us as his sons and daughters. So in verse 12, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by it, it dictates you and you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful, slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirits to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. So we must also 
crucify the flesh. We must also allow this flesh to die and say, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to have these anger thoughts. I don't want to have these frustrated feelings. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be mentally and physically not well. I don't want to be these things anymore due to the alcohol or due to the the drug addiction. I don't want this. I want to be broken free from it. And God says, yes, my child, come. I can make you free from that. I can give you peace. I can give you life and life more abundantly. So now we're going to skip down to verse 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So when we're in Christ Jesus, a lot of people think, oh, well, this should happen for me like this and this should happen like this. Still, there's there's waitings, there's trials, there's tribulation. But when we live in Christ Jesus, when we have Christ on our mind and in our hearts, what happens is, is that we are now conformed. We are now conformed to understand that I have a hope in life. I have something to live for. I have something to look forward to, which is life everlasting with Christ, which is a beautiful life here on earth that I can share with my family and friends. 26 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And that's when I told you about the the love language between you and Christ. Sometimes when when we are in prayer and we're just crying out, Abba, Father, and we just start praying to Him, there's a language that comes through us that goes straight to the Father, that it's an angelic language just between you and God a beautiful commune with you and God, a beautiful conversation with you and God. And when we're coming to God and we're not doing repetitious, thank you, Jesus, for our food, um, or now I lay me down to sleep, those little um, repetitious prayers, which are fine for when we're teaching children. But once we give our lives to Christ as adults, or as we've given our life to Christ as children and we're growing and we're understanding and knowing who Christ is, we can just speak to him and talk with him and and pray from our hearts. And that's when the Holy Spirit spurts out. And a lot of times when you're praying, you'll just start praying for people that you didn't even know needed prayer. So in 27, and the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And what can separate us from the love of God? What shall we say about such wonderful things as of these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us now? people will come against us. Things will come against us, but God is all knowing and all powerful. And he's not going to allow those things to succeed so they can try, but nothing can come against us in God, meaning nothing will prevail. So since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one for God himself has given us right standing within himself. 
Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? So I want to pause a second right there. And, and just like I said earlier, is that we will go through trouble. We will go through calamity. There might be days when we're hungry. There might be days when we feel alone. There might be days when we, we feel in danger or our lives are threatened because of us loving, loving God, loving Christ. But guess what? When we persevere, when we get through these things, we know that Christ is with us. So it's easier for us to go through these things because we know that he's holding our hand. It's easy for us as believers to know that as we walk with Christ, as we go through these things, we know that there is greatness on the other side. So verse 36, as the scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love neither death nor life nor angels nor demons neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell can separate us from god's love no power in the sky above or in the earth below indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of god that is revealed in christ jesus our lord amen so nothing when we give our lives to christ nothing can pull that bond apart nothing can tear that bond apart unless you yourself physically mentally spiritually walk away and say i'm done i'm not doing this i don't want a relationship with christ anymore that's on you that's the only thing if you allow yourself god never separates from us once we give our life to him he never lets us go if you make that choice for you to try to break that bond with you and him he's still there nothing can separate us from the love of god he will continuously love us if we walk away he will continuously love us but why would you want to be without christ why would you want to be without the love of god because this love is beyond all love this love is an unfailing love this love is a never-ending eternity type love a love that goes beyond anything you can even fathom so as we have learned today that the holy spirit comes in just as god has said the holy spirit lives within inside of us we just need to activate that Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit because he cannot dwell where he is not welcome. He cannot dwell where he is not in a clean environment. So we need to clean ourselves out so the Holy Spirit can dwell within. So I pray today, my prayer for you today is that you do understand who this Holy Spirit is that lives with inside of us, that we are to walk and talk and act and love like Christ that the Holy Spirit fills us with everything we could possibly need, everything of God that it states in God's word that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are, are called according to his purpose. So when the evil day, days and evil things try to come against us, we know that that evil might be meant for destruction, that evil might be meant for death, that evil might be meant for illness, that evil might be meant for whatever because the devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And that devil is really good at his job and he comes at us. But when we have Christ in our life, when we have accepted Christ Jesus in our life, 
he he takes that evil that the that the evil one has for us and he turns it into our good yes he came at you and you were sick and you were laying in the bed for three months but Jesus Christ wrote a book through you. Jesus Christ started a ministry through you. Jesus Christ turned your life around. Jesus Christ used you and built you up with strength for your family to see the power of God. So thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to go to the father again and say, thank you, father. Thank you, father, for this word. Thank you for allowing us to know who you are inside of us. Thank you for living in us and, and just being there every moment, being our comforter, father, God, just being all that you are inside of us with your love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Holy spirit. Thank you. Holy spirit. We welcome you consistently. We want to keep our vessels clean. So you're always welcome here. Thank you. Holy spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was shed. Thank you, Jesus, because you gave your life. They didn't take it from you. You gave it. And thank you, God, for your power, for raising Jesus up the same way you raise us up. So we glorify you. Father God, I pray for all the listeners out there here on this day that they get that intimate relationship with you, that they feel you alive inside of them. Thank you, Father God, for this opportunity in your precious mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So people of God, give your life to Christ wholeheartedly. Allow the Holy Spirit to live inside of you to become alive so you're not like everyone else. Because as a Christian, you're not supposed to be like everyone else. You're supposed to be filled with life, filled with joy and love and peace and patience and to be separated and be different. Allow people to see Jesus in you. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. So thank you so much for joining us here today. Remember, you can also check out our website, at um, excuse me, dot us, <laughs> where you can also find us at your love ministries on Facebook and our Instagram page. And it's all spelled out Y O U A R E M I N I S T R I E S dot us. And please look for the heart with the cross through it until next time you are loved.